In the climate-ravaged year of 2072, the city of Pura stands as a miraculous green haven, a geoengineered paradise that protects fortunate residents from the global catastrophes of heat domes, fires, floods, and droughts. Demetria Lopez heads up Pura's public relations, tirelessly promoting the city's idyllic image. But when she stumbles upon a dark secret that, if exposed, would be the downfall of Pura's existence, she must decide who and what she is willing to protect. From Wondery, the makers of Academy and Dr. Death, The Last City stars actors Reyes Seahorn, Jeannie Tirado, and Maury Sterling. Follow The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Birds of Empire is presented by HelloFresh. Use code BIRDSFREE for free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash birdsfree. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Hello, listeners. Be advised that this show is an immersive audio experience. It may seem like sounds are coming from the sides or behind you. Listener discretion is advised, as this content is intended for adult audiences only. Q-Code presents Birds of Empire Season 2. Created by Jason Liu. The ram who was a bird. Racine was a small boy when he knew that he was not a ram. The people around him felt strange and unfamiliar for as long as he could remember remembering anything. Like finding himself forever in a forest full of trees he did not recognize. One day, as his mother hunched over the hearth, he said what he had always felt. Mother, I am a bird. She tilted her head slowly in a way that made Racine think she was twisting it off her neck. Then she smiled. Then she laughed. Racine felt suddenly hot, his chest flushed with an explosion of imagined feathers. When she saw his rage, Racine's mother softened her face and told him to come here. He wouldn't. Instead, he ran to the edge of the nearest cliff and wept. As he did, he tore at his skin. Why? Why was I cursed to live upon the land, breathe the dust of the earth, walk when I should fly? There came no answer but the howling wind as it snuck through the pass. He decided in that moment that his life would not be of consequence until he had become one of them, the people of the empire of the sky. He was a bird. This much he knew, and it was settled. Racine's father, Galen, indulged a boy which surprised everyone. Trekking home from the mines, he would find a feather and save it to give to his son. He would look with him up at the clouds and say to him that he saw things he did not. There, I see one. 
gliding just so. Most believed Racine's obsession would wane with time, but it only grew and calcified into a creed. He knew he wasn't wise or noble, and that his hands did not possess the surge of knowing that animated the masters, engineers, architects of his society. But he had a curiosity and a strong stomach, so he hoped perhaps to be a surgeon. Racine grew to be strangely handsome, his nose hooking slightly left and down as if melting in the sun, eyes flush and wild. He stood taller than most in the lowland village, where he never felt anything but alone. As a teenager, he collected what little there was to know about the people of the sky. Determined to crack the secrets of their existence that he might join them in the branches. But strangely, his people didn't seem particularly interested in their neighbors, in the enigmas that hovered over their lives and deaths. There was hardly any mention of the birds and the history parchments that he managed to steal from the great vault of knowing. At 14, he was accepted into the academies for training as a surgeon. This delighted Racine because he spent most of his days thinking of the human body and how it was that theirs could float and fly upon the air. How could they do it? One day, near the end of his training, the answer fell from the clouds. Racine was walking alone upon a stone path outside the academies, just mere days from being dispatched to begin his work in the healing halls, when he came upon a body, a bird, dead from a fall, splayed against the granite as if inviting Racine to finally have his questions answered, his dreams fulfilled. Crouching over the body, he went to work, observing as he'd learned to do upon the dead of his people. Immediately he was struck by the musculature of the young man. His wings were still attached to his arms, something that had puzzled Racine for years, just how they fit them upon their body. For a time he believed that perhaps they were somehow grafted upon their bones, but it wasn't so. The wings were just marvelous garments made of some textile that defied belief. Later in his life he would learn that it was spider silk. But no one among the rams or any of the land folk knew then about the tree spiders who provided so much of the material for the bird's empire of floating marvels. The spiders were raised and culled for their silk which was spun through a process that was guarded by a designated caste of their people. It was said that to share the secrets of spinning the mystical threads was punishable not just by your death, but by that of your entire family. Racine hauled the body back to one of the operating slabs where he dissected and dismembered it, hoping to better understand the riddles of their blood and flesh. He carefully removed the young man's clothes, saved and preserved for further private study. Stripped of his cloak and wings and cloth and boots, 
he looked just as if he could have been a brother to Racine. His hair was inky and tightly curled, pulled back into locks that were flecked with some kind of shimmering material. The neck was cracked, but most of his body was intact. Racine figured that even in death, his wings helped him float to a kind of safety, sparing him a splatter upon the rock. But how is it that they fly? This was a question that haunted the people of the land for ages, and if there ever was an answer, it was lost to time. But now, here, he had a chance to uncover it. The grim work of dismembering the body revealed the secret to their supremacy of the clouds. Racine could feel it after the flesh had been boiled off one of the legs. Their bones were lighter. Not by so much that you could notice, but just enough to tip the balance of their effort over their weight when they flapped their wings. His heart sunk. For in that moment he knew he could never be one of them. Racine never told anyone of the body that became the source of the many tomes he would go on to write about the people of the sky. Never told his father or wife or brothers that he kept the skull hidden away among his most cherished things. He would bring it out sometimes in his hours of great worry like when his mother took her place on the rack of souls at an age most considered tragic, or when his brother lost his hand in the mines. He would put the smooth top of the skull against his chest, where he knew his heart was beating and his breathing would calm. Over the years, he had become a kind of repository for obscure knowledge of the birds and their customs. He documented their use of amber as a kind of substitute for bartering, a concept that eventually began to circulate among the nobles in the stone palace, taking strong root in the mind of a young man named Aaron Midstone. Racine, the lanky surgeon with the darkened brow, began to take excursions out across Dakota to learn what the other land folk knew about his obsession. He learned from one such visit in Green Palm that during the raid, the birds used ferocious machines modeled on mosquitoes to penetrate the underground stores where the bears hid their food and medicine and metals and weapons and grains. He ventured to White Fang during a time of high trading among the wolves and rams where he spoke with a keeper of the histories, an old man named Zul, who counseled their queen on how to avoid offending the people of the sky. There were tales linking the early wolf queens with a fallen member of the old kingdom of the birds, but the wolves were so superstitious that they seemed to have a folktale that explained the origin of every folktale. Still, he never tired of talking about them. Racine collected poetry and lore, including one story that claimed the rams once gave their people a relic that powered a golden age of invention among them. He learned that they were just people 
with sadness and joy and idiocy and love and regrets. Even still, he knew he was one of them, but would die in the soil. His most important contribution may have been the day he discovered a long neck rock formation that was once used as a meeting point between their people. Markings nearby revealed that it had been called Sky Point, a jutting cliff that almost touched the flattened branch of a mile-high oak, a nod to a time when perhaps their people shared more in common than they now did. He was invited to give news of the discovery to the Stone Council, something that would be a great moment for any ram. But he could feel their waning interest as he orated about the majesty of the people of the sky. As he went on and on, the boredom turned to contempt, and he was jeered off the floor by men who had never imagined any life beyond their noses. The day he disappeared was a cloudless summer day. He told his wife that he would return before the nightfall and kissed his children goodbye. Standing at the edge of the cliff face, the wings felt as if they had been made just for him. Even after all these years, they smelled the same, possessed the same hold over him that they always had. He pictured in place of his face, that of the bird who once owned them. He slid them onto his arms. Something Racine never figured out was just how they attached them to their bodies so securely that they would not slip during flight. In his excitement to remove the wings on that day, he hadn't thought to look at the bindings. And when he realized that they were lashed in a maddening, elaborate pattern, it was too late. The rains had just passed, and the winds were roaring up as he spread his wings, shouting aloud, Mother, I am a bird. Birds of Empire stars Gwendolyn Briley Strand as The Keeper, written and directed by Jason Liu. Executive produced by Jason Liu, Rob Herding, David Henning, and Shen Yin Hu. Producers Lawrence Zanelli and Nick Shanks. Edited and mixed by Will Tendy. Original score and composition by Darren Johnson. Music editor Will Tendy. Supervising sound effects editor and sound designer Randy Torres. Audio engineering by Sarah Ma. Assistant engineer Alex Chuck. Casting Director, Chrissy Fiorelli. Script Supervisor, J.C. Hines. Production Legal, Christina Bulbrook and Lindsay Keel. Production Accounting, Pin Chen Liu. This podcast was recorded under a SAG-AFTRA collective bargaining agreement. Birds of Empire is a Q-Code production. Sound Recording Copyright 2024 by Q-Code Media Inc. Birds of Empire is presented by HelloFresh. Use code BIRDSFREE for free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash birdsfree. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Welcome to a journey into the heart of the Texas Renaissance Festival, the nation's largest and rowdiest celebration of medieval fantasy. 
But what lurks beneath the facade of tights and turkey legs? Well, we dove deep into the empire to uncover a history marred by mystery and misconduct, murders, assaults, and other crimes that tarnish its legacy. This isn't just a fairy tale, it's a cautionary tale of power, fantasy, and the consequences that follow when they all collide. Search for Crime Waves Renaissance Texas on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Are you ready for the ultimate Love Island experience? Join us on After the Island. We're going back to where it all began, Fiji. Love Island USA Season 5 is making a splash on Peacock right now. And guess what? Your favorite recap show is back, too. Welcome to After the Island. Join us as real-life besties and co-hosts, Elizabeth and Alex, as we deep dive into each sizzling episode of Love Island USA. We'll spill the tea, interview contestants, answer fan questions, and give you unprecedented behind-the-scenes access to the wildly popular world of Love Island. Don't miss a single moment of the drama, romance, and unforgettable island vibes. Listen to After the Island on any streaming platform. 